0: You know, we're on a relationship series, and in this relationship series, we have been um, talking about how to have healthy relationships. And uh, this is uh, the Espinosa's. Give Wendy and Joseph a hand, amen? And, uh, yeah, get a mic. There was one on my, there's, get two. You guys need two mics, because I don't want you guys fighting up here on the stage for the mic. And there's a stand right over there. They didn't give me a stand today, but, um, now, um. What, what we've been doing is talking about relationships and having to have healthy relationships. And, and this whole series has kind of evolved. I mean, we just let it have its own thing. So it was originally for, for actually, I think three weeks, the original series was four. Of course, that was uh, about eight weeks ago. And, um, and so what we've done is just allow the Lord just to really do some things. And He started to bring people up in my mind that needed to be up here to talk about relationships and so these, this, these, this couple was the last couple. I just knew they had a story. How many have ever had a problem in your relationship before, in, in any kind of relationship, whether it's husband, spouse, I mean, uh, your wife, I mean, kids or anything, or, or friends? We all have these issues. And the one thing about the Lord is, is how, how do we deal with those issues no matter what they are, amen? And God can do some transformational things. So I want you to listen. I'm going to be up here. I'm like the third wheel up here. I'm not going to say too much. Um, my wife told me to shut up and listen, and um, and so. But I want to give them the opportunity to. Won't you guys move up a little bit here so I can, I can see you. I don't like people behind me because.
1: Am I on? Hello.
0: Anyway, but uh, they're going to do a great job. They have a have a have an awesome testimony, and I want you to hear their testimony today. Let's give them a hand. Amen. Okay, that's the wrong button. There it goes. I got it. Got it. You're good. Oh, that, that one's good. Test, test. That's good.
2: Well, first of all, I'd like to thank uh, Pastor Sean and Lisa for uh, the opportunity that they've given us to uh, come up here and she share, likes that one. <laughs> share our story <laughs> with yeah, you. I can't hear. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and again, I'm Joseph, and this is my wife, Wendy, and we do have six children. We've been married 26 years. Um, and I believe we have some pictures of our family, of our children. That was uh, my wife and I in Greece, and then you can see um, our family and our little granddaughters. Um, and the granddaughters again, and Miranda, she's in college in Springfield.
1: We know. had to do yeah, one yeah, by our... herself because she's missed from so many pictures. <laughs> and, top ones, you you guys.
2: Oh. and that's uh, baby Caden, that's our granddaughter, one of our granddaughters. She's, uh, she's truly a gift. She's, she's this joy all the time. And it, again, as you can see, our family's quite large. <laughs> I didn't come from a big family. It was just my mom and my older brother and myself, and um, I've changed that.
1: That's <laughs> Libby. That's and our that, second granddaughter. Uh,
2: and there's our other... She's a doll. And there's our uh, baby babies, our fur Those babies. Those are his
1: babies, really babies. The top big one there is his favorite by far.
2: <laughs> That's Maximus, and he's, uh, he never talks back. He just <laughs> wants to hug you, wants to love on you, and uh, lets his you do favorite, whatever right to it. That's true, isn't it? And the other, the other little one is Milani, and she's a terror.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, she's nonstop all the time.
1: All right, I think we're good with pictures.
2: <sighs> Father God, I just, uh, thank you, Father God, that you uh, given us, Wendy and I, the opportunity to give our testimony, Lord, to tell our story on where we've been and what we've been through and where we are today, Lord. Um, I ask that uh, you tender the hearts here today, Lord Jesus, and uh, you just allow our words and uh, use us, Lord Jesus, speak through us to uh, heal. And uh, in your mighty name, we thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, Wendy and I met a long time ago. I was 19, she was 17. Um, We were cruising down a road called Central, which is kind of like Nolan Road here back in the day. And uh, it was me and three three of my friends, and she was with her cousin and her cousin's boyfriend. And we're driving down, and uh, me and my buddies look over, and we see this car drive by. And I was like, man, did you see the driver of that car? I'm like, man, she was beautiful. And they're like, no, no, let's speed up a little bit. So we speed up a little bit, and we look, and sure enough, like, oh, wow, look, them. let's see if we can pull them over. And sure enough, my buddy Richard's like, you know, I pull over, and he's like, hey, hey, you guys want to pull over and talk? And they're like, yeah, sure. And so they followed us into a gas station. Um, I was real introverted, didn't really know what to say to girls. I was real shy of girls, didn't really speak to them. Um, So I jumped out, and automatically... Looked at her and looked at my buddies and I was I'll, actually before we pulled in I was like hey $20 bet on the driver and um, they're like I, guess oh. won. <laughs> I don't know why they never paid their bets every time they lost but we bet and so we pulled in and I jumped out and I started just pumping gas in my car I didn't even need to pump gas in there but I started pumping gas because I didn't know what to say to her. And my friends automatically started talking to her and just getting to know her. And I'm sitting in the background just looking at them. And we're at a gas station, and like 15 minutes has gone by. And uh, so my friend Richard, he was like, hey, you know, I just live right, right around the corner. Why don't we go over there and just relax and talk and continue the conversations?
1: I can't sure believe enough, I did half the things I did back
2: then. Sure enough, they were like, sure, we'll go. So we went over to his house. They followed us, and um, we were talking, mingling. And I was just sitting on, a, sitting on my car just watching her. I didn't really say anything to her because so I was still shy. And her cousin comes over to me and says, you know, my cousin thinks you're cute and she <laughs> likes you. And at that point there, I was like, ooh, I got a, I got a burst of energy there. I was <laughs> like, yeah, I got some confidence. So I started talking to her. And sure enough, you know, the night flew by quick and it was time for us all to go home and as they, were getting in their, as they were trying to get into her car, they couldn't because.
1: I locked the keys in the car.
2: She locked the keys in her car. It's funny how guys' hands always end something, you know? Um, it just so happened that my mom lived 40 minutes away in Gilbert, Arizona, and she had a Slim Jim in the back of her car. <laughs> Why? I don't know. But I was like, you know, my mom lives 40 minutes away, and uh, she has a Slim Jim, and we can get your keys out for you. I'll be back. And I said, anybody want to go, you know, plan that hook? Hopefully somebody would have said yes. I did. <laughs> and she jumped all over that hook like a catfish. Oh, I a and uh, I was like, let's go. So we.
1: That is not even true.
2: <laughs> so we drive out to my mom's house and we're talking and um, we get to Slim Jim. We come back and she's telling me a little bit about her and her daughter, uh, Jackie, which was two months old at the time. And. And that was our night. We get back. She leaves. and I leave. Um, and it was, it was pretty neat. It was, she was pretty remarkable. You now, and, and the funny thing about that is before that night even happened, I was engaged to another girl. And it was going south pretty fast. The lady I was engaged to, I mean, just the power of words, you guys. Because she used to always tell me I irritated her. And I'm a touchy type of guy, like I always rub Wendy's hand, and I used to always do that to her, and she used to always say, you know, stop, I'm not a touchy feeling. You need to find somebody who is. And that afternoon, she told me that. She says, you know, I'm not that girl. I'm not the girl that is affectionate. You irritate me when you do that, and you need to go out and find somebody who does. And so that night, my buddies called me up, and that night, I said, yeah, I'll go out with you guys. And that night. You met me. I met Wendy. And that was uh, I think that was God's hand over us that first time. Uh, one week later, I mustered up the courage to call Wendy, and I asked her out on our first date. And of course, I took her to a really nice, fancy restaurant.: Taco Bell. <laughs> we went to Taco Bell.: yeah.
1: <laughs> we, I was 17.: Mexican,
2: and we ran to the border. And, uh, <laughs> but they had that really so nice: wrong. They had really nice collector cubs. And we went, we, we got it to go, and we went to a park, and we talked more, walked through the park, ate our Taco Bell, and then we went goofy golfing. And we had a good night goofy golfing. And the craziest thing was is, you know, we got our scorecards, and I started filling it out. And I'm thinking, by the way, I was a horrible speller. I still am. But I'm thinking in my mind, Wendy, Cindy, yeah, they're about the same. <laughs> and so I'm writing down her name so I don't want to, you know, misspell it, and I put Cindy down. So we're we're goofy golfing and at the end of the night she's like well who won let's tally up the scores and she's looking and she's like who's sydney I'm like, ah. and i just felt this heat just come over my body like oh my god i'm stupid and i told her at that point I said, i'm sorry i'm just a horrible speller please believe me i know somebody can't make that up but i am um and so that night i took her home i walked her up to her door being the gentleman i was And um, she had her little Taco Bell cup with her, and she said, this night was...
1: Too good to be true.
2: Too good to be true. It was the best night of her life.
1: So I said, if I never hear from you again, I'm just going to keep this cup as a memory of this night, because I lived in the straight ghetto. No one had ever walked me to my door. This was, like, really a fairy tale for me, so.
2: So the next day, I went to work, because that's what I love to do, is work, and um, at that time, I ex-fiance, still had the keys to my apartment, and I guess she went over and went snooping. I don't know. But she went over, she found Wendy's phone number, and called her up. And uh, She said,
1: hi, I'm Joseph's fiance. And I was like, ah, what?
2: (laughs) That night was too good to be true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Dang it, I had power of the word again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Wendy and I didn't talk for two months. All right, yeah, two months later. I, I wished pl-
1: her a happy life with him, and that was it.
2: And two months later, I finally got all that baggage behind me, and we severed everything and moved on. And Wendy was out of my life, she was out of my life, and it was just working my friends. Um, and again, I think it was Saturday night, my friends called me up and said, Hey, what are you doing? I said, Well, I'm getting out of work late. And they're like, Well, we're going to go out, we're going to meet a couple of buddies over at this park. And then I was like, Okay, I'll drive. So we end up going to this park, and sure enough, this park is, like, two blocks down from Wendy's house. And uh, we didn't even make it to the park. We're driving by, and all of a sudden, I got two 12-inch Rockfords in my car at that time, a little 280CX. And I thought I was the stuff, but really wasn't. And um, (laughs) so we're jamming our music, and all of a sudden, I hear, like, this dog whistle, you know, (laughs) And I'm like, I look, and Wendy's outside her door just looking. And so I was like, wow, she's outside. She's whistling for me. I'm like, <laughs> so I turn back around. My buddies are like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm going to go back and talk to her. And they're like, oh, are you serious? And so I end up turning back around and um, end up just talking to her. And uh, from there on, it was five, uh, months, later? five months later. We were uh, married. She was pregnant. We uh, proposed to her through the drive through of Taco Bell.
1: I got a gold and, foil wedding ring from the burrito
2: <laughs> and we had a uh, shotgun wedding at her mom's house three weeks and later I kid you not when we say shotgun it was remember those little cassettes you know we had a little tape cassette that they played and it was I will always it was always and, and forever. forever and uh, I kid you not as she was walking down her mom hit the play and it was it was always my mom. and forever <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's how big and, my mom's house <laughs>
2: That's how short that I was. That's how short the hallway
1: <laughs> was. And I get right there to him. and <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> but again, God's hand was in it, and we were married. At that point, we were married. She moved in, her and Jackie moved in with me. And um, again, like all young couples, we started to acquire debt really fast. We bought our first house. I was still 19. And. Um, she turned 18 at that time. Um, she had a, a hooptie of a car that used to always break down, and she used to always take my car. And one day my car broke down, and she's all, well, here's the keys to my car. Go and take it. And I was like, I'm not driving that thing. And, uh, you took the bus. I took the bus. <laughs> so well, that, that, that night I, uh, we went out and got her a newer car. And um, so we had our car. We had our mortgage. We had a a live-in nanny. um,
1: It was cheaper than daycare in Arizona.
2: (laughs) And we had all sorts of credit card debt that was starting to come in. And this is where, um, well, yeah. And uh, so at this point, our relationship just started to just pull apart. It was uh, our conversations were about, hey, we don't have enough money to pay this credit card. or We don't have enough money to do this. And then our conversation started becoming arguments, and then I was working more, and it just seemed like work was my first priority at that point in my life, just to stay above water and pay our debt. Um, our relationship, again, was, was going downhill pretty fast, and of course, at work, her friends were, hey, what are you doing tonight? want to go out to happy hour with us. And she went, and a week later, hey, you want to go out to happy hour with us? And she went. Um you Guys, places like that—sports bars, happy hours—that's really Satan's house. You guys, when when you're married and your buddy says, "Hey, let's just go watch the game over at this at this bar. We'll have one drink." Your intention may be to go in there, have a drink with your buddy, and watch the game, but somebody else's attention in there is totally different than what yours is when you went in there. Somebody's lurking. That's Satan's house, and. Satan's all over that, and he's going to try his hardest to distract you. And some guy, you know, as, as a guy, if you got a bear in you and some girl comes up to you and says, hey, you're, you're good looking, my name is such and such and touches you, I mean, I think as a guy, you just, you know, you, your ears perk up because you like attention. Women like attention. Guys like attention. We all seek attention. And your intentions may not be, may be good at that point, and you just kind of brush them off. But the second time you go in there, the third time you go back, it becomes a habit. And the next thing you know, those intentions start to change from somebody else.
1: Yeah, and that's where Satan really had and a trap set.
2: That's exactly.
1: And uh, in uh, When Heaven Invades Earth, a book by Bill Johnson, he, he states it really, I love how he talks about the one act of compromise in the Garden of Eden. When um, Satan entered the Garden of Eden, he didn't have any dominion there. Um, dominion empowers, And so he had to get Adam and Eve, in order to take possession and get them in agreement to get that power, he had to get them to agree with him in opposition against God. And, and he did just that when he suggested them eating the forbidden fruit. We have been given the keys. We have been given the dominion over earth. And the only time Satan has power over us is when we come into agreement with him. And that's what I did when I was going to those happy hours and going with my friends, and th- I honestly didn't see anything wrong with it because I was just having a good time with girlfriends. But see, Satan and the demonic forces he had lurking definitely had a trap set, and they knew what was going to happen way before I did. And um, We weren't saved at this time, so I, d- I didn't hear from the Holy Spirit. Didn't um, we, just, we didn't recognize those things. I do now. And uh, Romans 6.16 says, don't you know that whenever you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you become, you are the slaves of that one whom you obey. Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness, you are the slaves to the ones you obey.
2: And, and how, how true is that? I, mean, I was a slave to my work, and uh, the death was to my marriage at that time. Um, our finances were...
1: A mess. We were
2: just a mess. I mean, they were torn up. We were on the bridge of just everything, and our whole in our whole structure and our whole marriage was just completely a wreck. Satan had his hand over it all at that time.
1: And you still buried yourself where? Where was your comfort zone then?
2: My comfort zone was in my work. Yeah. Work was first priority in my life. My wife and my family it was, uh, was second at that time, you guys.
1: Then from that one act of compromise came this. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for for accusing him, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up. And asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condem- condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. See, I am that woman. I am that woman that out of one act, two acts, three acts, for years I actually um, allowed one act to become two. And for years I kept secrets. For years there was infidelity in my marriage. And I began to live this woman's life um, before she was, had that encounter with Jesus. And it wasn't until one night when I had done this one too many times, and I literally felt like God was like, enough is enough. I felt God say, stop it. And I got to a place where I was so, I so hated who I was, and I never wanted to hurt my husband or my children but that's where I was. And the reality was I found myself in a very dark place. And I knew, like, I was more desperate at that point in my life to be done with who I was than anything. I was so desperate for Jesus. I did want to end my life. I did have a plan. All of that in one day was, became my reality. And then my husband.
2: Power of forgiveness, you guys. funny how uh, god can uh, touch our hearts in times of crisis i remember when i found out um and i ended up going out to the my garage i have no idea why i went out to the garage His kids were at school and when he wasn't there and i had the whole house to myself but i ended up going to the garage anyways and i'm laying on the floor and i'm sitting there crying out as my heart was so broken um And just just sitting there just crying and asking God why. I've always been faithful to my wife. I've always been faithful to my kids. I've worked hard. I provide. Why? And um, at that point, I had three decisions I asked three decisions that I can make. And uh, first one was to pack my stuff up and move out, risk the chance of not seeing my children anymore because. The battle would have been horrible. The second option was to to kill myself. Just take myself out of it and not worry about it. Um, Felt like a failure. And uh, as I'm sitting there, um, I'm asking God, and uh, he's showing me, have I really been a good husband to my wife? Have I really been a good father to my children. My priorities right with them. There were so many times Wendy would come up to me and say, hey, you got a minute? We got to talk. And I used to always tell her, yeah, can we take care of it? When I get home after work. I'd get home and I'd go to sleep. She would always tell me there's an issue going on. There was red flags all over the place. And I chose to ignore them. So I thought if I just go to work and I provide they'll go away. And it doesn't go away. I can tell my wife every day I love her. But if I don't act on that, and I don't show her that I love her, I just, words, it really doesn't have a whole lot there. And uh, that's what God showed me the day I was laying down um, in my garage. And he told me to forgive her. And so... From that day on, I uh, I forgave my wife of what she's what she did to to me, and forgiving doesn't necessarily mean forgetting. Cause I forgave her, but months later it was super tough. I mean, Satan just takes you, and he'll plant one little seed in your head. It's happening again, and and you start to pick it up and you start to run with it, and you're like, wow, okay, I, I need to go check her phone. I need to go check this. And thank God, thank God, Wendy said, you know what, here's the passwords to my Facebook, here's the phone bills, here's my phone. And she gave me access to all of that. She wasn't hiding anything anymore. And when Satan planted those seeds in my head, I would just turn to God and, God, please, help me with these thoughts right now. I know this is not of you. And within five minutes, those thoughts would be gone, and I would move on to something else. I didn't jump on that bandwagon with Satan and go down that road anymore. And, uh, again, the power of forgiveness for
1: my life. Yeah, wife. because I, I was so desperate that I wasn't going to continue doing what I would do in the past. See, in the past, the way I would react when he would ask a question about infidelity, it my response was always in defense because I was trying to hide something. I was a victim. Um, a victim living in a victim mentality. I wasn't a victim, but I loved, um, I didn't love, I shouldn't say I loved, but I loved the attention that a victim gets. I, um, I had lived as a victim all my life and I knew how to live that life well because of my prior, my childhood abuse. Um, so I always blamed it on everything. It's my abuse. I justified every wrong behavior. It's my abuse, my lack of having a father in the home, um, you know, a really strict mom, you are never here. It was, if I was, did something wrong, I guilted my kids. A victim will always do that. Someone who's living as a victim, victim mentality, you will always shift blame. You will always find someone else. You never take responsibility for what you do. And I got to a point where I was either going to take full responsibility or I was going to lose everything, including my husband. And thankfully, um, thankfully, we uh, got invited or I got invited here, actually. We weren't attending this church. But do you see God's hand again? (laughs) Um, I got invited here by a dear friend for a Father's Heart conference. And I had no idea what this was all about. I'd never really heard about Father's Heart, Father's Love, none of this. But um, I was asked to come. Melissa knew I was a prayerer. (laughs) Uh, Loved to pray. So I came to be on the prayer team. Well, I found myself flat on the floor in the link, crying out to God as God was revealing to me for the very first time in my entire life how closed up my heart was see, because of the pain of my youth and because of all the lies I believed and all the labels I put on myself and all the things that Satan spoke over me as a child, I made vows that I would never be hurt again, that I would never allow anybody to do what happened to me as a child. I did all these things not knowing that I was actually making these soul ties and creating these soul ties in my life, so no one honestly was ever really able to know Wendy because I, I was very shallow in my relationships. I could never really receive the love of my husband. I would actually tell people, oh, he just loves me more than I do. Like, that's just how it is. I really believed that to be true in my marriage. It was. Sorry. Then one night, <laughs> then one night, we encountered the mighty king, and we went to a cabin, and we were here in this cabin in Branson. Um, my friend Melissa uh, and her husband Chris Charlotte and James Johnson and myself and Joseph. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Charlotte came the weekend before. It was actually um, Kelly and Bob Parr, our sweet mama and um, spiritual mama and our spiritual dad. And uh, we were there desperate to seek God. I mean, we had, we, all of us, actually all six of us were having some rough places in our marriage and we knew, like, we need Jesus bad. We need an intervention. And we had gone, Charlotte and Melissa and Kelly and I had gone to that cabin a week or before or so. And we went crying out to God. We locked ourselves in this cabin. And we knew we got to get our husbands back because something miraculous happened that weekend. So we took them back. Didn't really give them much of an option.
2: Yeah, she didn't give me an option. She told me, hey, you need to take a couple of days off uh, from work. We're going to go to this cabin. And And we're going to cry out and seek God. And I'm like, okay. And, uh, but through that, you guys, I, um, it was something that we both really desperately needed in our marriage at that time. Um, It was something that we, we sacrificed to meet God that weekend. We, we planned and God always tells us that, you know, meet me there, put some effort into it, Mm -hmm. do something. And that week, three days, I fasted cigarettes. I smoked when I started, started smoking when I was 15, and I uh, fasted cigarettes for three days for, before we went. And Wendy fasted food. And um, just expecting and knowing that God was going to show up and do something. If, if we sacrifice something that we truly liked and that we enjoyed, that he was going to show up and do something. And uh, he did. He showed up that night.
1: He did, because what we did was we, we started worshiping, and as we started to worship and, and felt the presence of God, Bob and Kelly felt led to have us do a foot washing with one another, which I'd never done, and it was amazing. My husband washed my feet.
2: Corns, it was all God. I to there are bunions and corns all over there. Those were God's hands.
1: And uh, thanks, babe. <laughs> You're paying for a pedicure tomorrow. And then... Um...
2: <laughs> I always get charged extra. <laughs>
1: He's too close. <laughs> but right after that foot washing, um, Bob and Kelly started talking about soul ties. And I did never heard anyone talk about soul ties. And how when you become and you enter into a relationship, a healthy or unhealthy with someone, sexual or non-sexual, what happens and the ties that are made. And all of this started coming back because I remember, you know, the, what God was showing me in that Father's Heart conference that I'd been to several months ago prior to that. You know, just how my heart had been closed and things that God was revealing. Um, so we started to do it. And I mean, my heart started beating super fast because she said, I'm going to walk you guys through. We can do this together or you can do it by yourself. Chris and Melissa were intimate and wanted to do it in their room in the cabin. So they left and they had... What was I
2: actually had a bat in the room with them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Joseph and I were so desperate from, for God that we were like, no, you walk us through. Like we wanted, you know, we were like, no, please. And so they walk us through. My husband is uh, at my feet and she starts to walk him through and starts asking Holy Spirit. And when you are serious and when you ask God within a complete open heart, no matter what, and you lay everything out before God, he is faithful Joseph literally asked the Lord to reveal to him anybody he had made a soul tie with. And as Kelly is walking him through the words, he names off one person, and she walks him through how to sever that tie and how it's kind of like what you do in lamb and the Skadooing, but a little different. And severing that tie and taking back what that person took from him and releasing what he took from her. And it went on, and he had four people. Four. I was so scared because I knew for a fact I had way more than that. And so I started the process and he, he sat in the chair and I sat at his feet. And I was no, nothing hidden. Again, I was so desperate. It didn't even matter anymore that everybody knew the truth about me because I needed God so bad. And I started one, two, 10, 13, 14. And finally I was like, oh, praise the Lord. I didn't hear anybody else. And I mean, I, the last tie that I severed, the last person I released and left at the cross, something, um, the most amazing encounter, I can't even put into words what happened right at that moment. I had like the humongous bucket that you see at Great, Great Wolf Lodge, literally filled with water and it just toppled over me and the love of God for the very first time in my whole life, the pure love of God just poured over me and I felt loved like never before and my husband's love it wasn't even just father's love it was father's love to my husband then that love to me and I mean I leaped into his arms and we grabbed each other and we both
2: cried like babies I mean we went through so much Kleenex um and I just remember just my head down, just, <laughs> and just not running down all over my feet and her feet and her corns were getting snot all over them. And <laughs> it was, it was a lot of snot, but it was uncontrollably, it was uncontrollable crying. It was, uh, it was just a deep cry that, um, God was cleansing us. It was, he, he was literally cleansing her heart and cleansing mine and, and, uh, he allowed us to, uh. Just have that love for for each other that we should have had.
1: Because I'll, what I, and thankfully we counseled with Pastor Sean recently, and and one thing he brought up to me that I didn't even realize, the reason why I could never receive that love, the reason why I, I was living a life with the filter, you know, all those soul ties, all those things that hindered, never allowed me to receive the pure love of God, or even to my husband or to anyone I was living with a skewed mentality, with skewed perspectives and that filter. And when that filter was gone and it was just the pure love of God, I was radically, radically changed that night. And our life, not only did God set us free that very night, we were given permission and we were given beautiful tools by our our mama and daddy, Kelly and Bob Parr, on how to speak to one another. I mean, we had to learn all these things because we didn't know how to give permission to one another to be completely honest, how to make sure we weren't shaming one another, how, um, you know, the Holy Spirit may even actually bring someone else up later on. And that happened. And that happened. One right.
2: night watching TV in bed, and she's like, babe. I'm like, yeah. She's like, there's another name. I'm like, what? That's 15. <laughs> Mentally, I was thinking, man, that's 15.
1: But he said to me, but, I'm proud of you. I said,
2: Thank you for uh, bringing that up. I forgave her. And, um, guys, the one thing that that we learned from that was to be transparent with each other. You know, um, when you're not transparent, you keep secrets. uh, Those secrets just turn into more secrets and more secrets. And it's all in the dark, and everybody knows.
1: Enemy traffics in the darkness.
2: Enemy traffics in the darkness. That is correct.
1: Not only were our, our our marriage was completely healed, but our finances, all that debt we talked about, thankfully Dave Ramsey taught us, and yes, it took us putting one foot in front of the other and applying that, but as we did that, and as we started to live a life completely bare before God and each other and and everyone around us, our finances started to line up, our marriage.
2: My priorities changed for my household, God first, above everything. My wife, second, my family, Um, my job is no longer my priority. Um, Even though I'm there all the time, it is not my priority.
1: And I know that. Um, And so we just thank God for um, allowing us. And it—it isn't just marriage. There was so much about our life that needed to change. It started. The enemy had his trap years before I met Joseph as a young girl, and thankfully. We came to a point where we knew um, we needed the Lord, and I knew I needed a miracle. And I know that today some of you are here, and our marriage may not have been something that you went through, but it could be that you are held captive by your finances. It could be that you're being held captive today by um, abuse, unforgiveness. Joseph, it took God to give him the ability to forgive me. There's no way we have that in our own. The way he saw me, the way God sees me, the way he was able to love me the way the Lord loves me, that was God and God alone. And I really believe that we are not alone. I feel like there's definitely people in this place, and and it's not just here, but we all have something that we're being held captive for. And one thing that God was super clear many times, he said to us, your testimony, we had to be brave enough to share it because he said, your testimony is going to set the captives free. Amen. And you deserve to be free today.
0: Amen. Come on, give them a hand. I, you know, um, they, uh, you know they, they just have a great testament. I, I, I think some of the things that were coming into my heart as that was happening, as they were just kind of unveiling everything that was going on, is that God can restore what, was, what He's always intended in your life. Through finances, through relationships, no matter what, but I think I think Wendy and I think both of you guys said this, that they took the steps to do that. They, they made those steps, and some of those steps today may just be, you just need some prayer. You need some people to pray. So what we're going to do, I'm going to have uh, uh, Wendy and Joseph go down to the front here, and I want our prayer team to come, come, go ahead and start coming up. And uh, we're going to sing, sing a worship song here. And uh, if you need prayer for anything, these people are here for you. Now listen, I know it's, it's not if you're coming up here and say, Oh, my marriage is, is awful. It may be something else. It may be something, other things in your life. Maybe you're just not being honest with the Lord uh, in your own life. Maybe you need to give your life to the Lord. I don't know. Maybe one of those things are happening today. And as we sing the song. I want you to uh, just be thinking about it. And just, if you need prayer for anything, couples, come on up. Uh, uh, If you're having problems with uh, maybe a relationship, any kind of relationship with your your friends, your family, whatever it is, come on up and ask the Lord just to really start the process. And the process can can sometimes be scary. But listen, it is well worth it. Because when fear comes in, you've got to understand something. God has never given you a spirit of fear. So anytime fear comes in like that to stop something, it's of the enemy to stop you from really receiving breakthrough, okay? Let's receive breakthrough today and receive that and allow God just to do something.